Morning has turned to afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. But the grind carries on. Not just the grind physically, but the grind mentally. The Midday Grind, featuring a couple of TV jockeys who've also been through the radio wars. <laughs> serious? Martin Kilcoin. I was a little lit, so I was saying whatever I wanted. And Charlie Marlowe. Our top story tonight, John Jay will be back tomorrow. Here's him getting a hit in 2012. It's the Midday Grind on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Twelve oh six in St. Louis. Welcome into the midday grind on five ninety the fan, five ninety the fan.com. Charlie Marlowe, Jim Hewer, Brian Hoffman, and I say this with love, the scrum lurker. David Solomon. I can say that, you right? You kind of didn't say Absolutely. it with love, though. Your tone changed when you said Scrum Lurker. I feel like Scrum Lurker is you, such you, a great... You had like a Berman Gravely voice when you said it. Big scrum Lurker. Scrum lurker. <laughs> now, I took it as nothing but loving. It wasn't like I walk into the studio and Charlie says, Hey, you look great today, Dave. First of all, you do look great today. Thank you. Dave Solomon in your Whitfield beautiful three-button polo brought to you by Under Armour. But I want to bring this up, and I think you said you talked about it on Cam's show. But it's fair to say, David Solomon, I think if people don't even necessarily know your voice or know you from radio, I'm guessing, in all seriousness, a lot of people who watch TV, whether it be Fox 2, the other different TV stations, Fox Sports Midwest, you you have a great knack over the years. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're always in that good spot during a TV interview holding the microphone, and so you're kind of always right there featured on the screen, right? Exactly, and it's just a byproduct of if you're in a semicircle around someone, would you? if you're holding up a microphone to interview them, would you rather be right next to the person where you don't have to lift your arm and don't have to lunge or standing a foot away, having to be in a sea of cameramen and reporters and— And camera would, women. Exactly, that too. But, exactly. uh, but photographers, <laughs> reporters, a bunch of microphones, it's much easier and you can get much better audio being right next to the guy. And also, let's be real, it's great marketing for 590 The Fan when you have the microphone right there featured prominently in the shot. But I bring this up because over the years, David Solomon is famous for this. And now you've kind of went viral because the very popular Jay and Dan they were on Fox Sports 1 back in the day, but they're back in Canada, They correct? were a part of their launch, weren't yes. they? Yes. yes. So they're kind of like ESPN's, they're almost like the Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann of Canada. And they have a segment called Scrum Lurkers, right? Right, where they featured people who are just randomly caught in the background in various NHL media <laughs> scrums. And do we have the clip? Yes, we do. That Scrum Lurkers guy, he was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so short clip, but... Afterwards, he said, "He said, oh, he's been in there before. He's just so indifferent. It was just the greatest comment. And the issue is there's nowhere good to look when you're in that. Because you can't look in their locker because the players might get mad. The media yes. relations might get mad. You just got to like, almost just stare at the wall furthest from you. And, and I'm also constantly during the scrum to even add to the indifference. I'm looking down every 
30 seconds to a minute just to make sure my recorder's going yeah. because sometimes you can think everything's good, even if you're wearing headphones and it sounds right, and then you go back and plug in your audio and you see that instead of the handheld microphone, your recorder's internal mic that's not pointed anywhere near the subject is the one that was capturing it. So while it sounds everything's normal, you get back and it's not. So that's why I find every 30 seconds you'll see me maybe looking down or looking just totally away. But no, I'm actually looking at my recorder to see, okay, everything's still recording well. I love that. It's a peek behind the curtain. And I promise people listening, we're going to get all to the MLS and Blues and XFL. But just one more scrum lurking comment. And I believe I, I said this a couple of days ago. But Solomon, this happened to me after game four Tuesday where I could tell I was in the field of view of the Fox Sports Midwest camera. And obviously that's the show that everybody's watching with the post game. So I was very cognizant of, of trying to not be on camera, but I knew when I was interviewing, we're all there for Jordan Bennington that I was. And Jim Thomas asked the question, if you remember, for a, a decent stretch of time there, Jordan Bennington was playing without a stick. His stick got knocked out. He had to play, it looked like, for what, 30 seconds or so? Yep. Yeah, and he even refused Vladimir Tarasenko right. when he offered one. So Jim Thomas, great reporter, loved JT, and he was firing a bunch of questions, and one of them was, what was it like playing without a stick? And Jordan Bennington is very deadpan, and he basically said, it's after a loss, a, a tough, excruciating yeah. loss. And and Binner says, oh, you know, it's like playing goalie without a stick. <laughs> and I I tried, no, look. Try not to laugh. People sent right? me this clip. I got two or three people sent me this clip. I tried my best not to laugh. I couldn't help it. I know this was an excruciatingly painful overtime loss. No one's happy. But when he responded that way, I tried not to laugh. I couldn't hold it in. I laughed for about two seconds. And, of course, like three people sent it to me on Twitter like, hey, you clown. They just lost a game. But it's one of those things where I couldn't not laugh in the situation. That's funny. <laughs> and sometimes, no matter how hard you try, because for those of you who haven't had the, we we're going to call it misfortune of having to go into a losing locker room, they are generally not fun places. The atmosphere is usually like a funeral. I've seen reporters actually get chewed out by players because reporters are just doing their own thing, waiting for guys they want to talk to to come out. So maybe the joker gets told. And I've seen players actually snap at reporters for daring to have as much as a smile, not even a laugh on their faces. So that's the Scrum Lurker, David Solomon. I'm Charlie Marlowe, Jim Hewer, Brian Hoffman. Jim, haven't got to uh, hear your opinion Yet, your big soccer guy with St. Louis FC on the radio broadcast. The huge news breaking kind of, what, midday, yeah, yesterday, midday yesterday with with MLS expanding, voting to expand to 30 teams. So, obviously, it's, it's almost assured, it's not official, but that St. Louis and Sacramento, if they get their ducks in a row, will both get a franchise. And then one more, maybe it's Phoenix down the road, but they will expand to 30. So... It seemed like the last couple months, again, at least superficially, that it was this battle between Sacramento and St. Louis, and now both get in. I'm not surprised, for one. I, I for, From St. Louis' standpoint, I, I, I've always felt that St. Louis, now that the Taylors are on board and the money is behind the group, this is going to happen. I really felt that way. There's like a 1% chance of something going wrong, which if you live in St. Louis, you know that's possible. Uh, <laughs> but I've felt the whole time, once the second— uh, opportunity arose to try and get this done. I, I I felt this way the whole time that this is going to get done. I've said that to people when they ask, they go, what about this? What about that? The the renderings from Sacramento came down. I said, well, guess what? I think they're both getting in at some point. 
I think, and, and Don Garber said a little over a month ago, yeah, St. Louis and Sacramento have the upside. They're, they're the, the first two we're talking to, and nobody else is really a player. Well, I know they're going to expand even further than what they've said, so guess what? Those are the next two wins. When does that happen? How quickly does it happen? It looks like 2022 might be the earliest for St. Louis. I'm not – I was never really worried like a lot of the national media, well, it's between St. Louis and Sacramento, who's in, who's out. Look, the league wants both these cities in it. The one thing the league did, and it hurts St. Louis and Sacramento both, is they played the game right, and I'm speaking of MLS, and they got a boatload of expansion money. Because think about this. If the vote would have been, what was that, two, 3,000 more yes votes when that vote failed, St. Louis would have paid $125 million. Now it's $200 million for the expansion fee. And the reason why the league can do that is because they know both these cities went in, they went in now, and they have the cash, and they won't say no. So they uh, they played the game perfectly. And uh, also within a month ago, it was in March, Don would say, well, it's between these two. It was never between the two of them because they're both getting in, but they put on this facade that, oh, it's a competition. Who's better? Who's not and if you both went in, which you got all everything said here now, it's going to cost you two hundred million. It's not going to be, it, you know, it's, many thought it would be one hundred fifty, maybe. Well, they they just upped it. As and Frank said earlier, he kind of joked, but it's not even really that much of a joke. It's almost kind of like extortion. Where it is a couple it is. months back, you you yeah. are moving the goal line. Believe me, this is a. It's all good. They have money. It's going to be great for the city. I'm not worried about it. But as you said, from a business standpoint, MLS played it perfectly because. Again, on the surface, it was a competition between, it was either or, Sacramento right. or St. Louis. And what did they end up with? Two legitimately viable markets that competed against one another to both mm-hmm. move things forward, which they did. They'll have two teams and now another. They make more money. Everybody's happy. It's not like it's the NFL where there's only a couple markets you can actually get to. And it makes sense to be around 30 anyway. So it just makes sense all the way around. Yep. To have St. Louis, Sacramento, they did things right and add one more at least, if not get to 32 down the road. Yeah. So from that standpoint, I'm not shocked. I'm glad that we're finally getting to see some closure here. We get to the part where in July where they go, okay, we they both made their presentations. And by the way, it's not like this is the first time both Sacramento and St. Louis have met with MLS. They already know what the requirements are. You just got to get everything finalized. Say, okay, this is what we have. Here's our stadium issue. It's taken care of. Here's our money issue with our owners. Oh, check, check, check. Yeah, we already knew that. Okay, you're in. Just send the check over, and we'll we'll allow you to be part of this. But basically, that's where it's at. And Jim Heuer, you brought up, and and you said something there that I wrote down. I rarely ever do this, but it's a great transition Uh-oh. from soccer to hockey last night because what you said was, you said when you live in St. Louis, you're always waiting for something to go wrong, and you're talking about the city and getting the deal done. Right. But it's fair to say that is also the mindset always with your St. Louis blues, always just waiting for that other shoe to drop. And when you take a two zip series lead away from your building, Mm -hmm. you come back, you lose two, you give up two goals in the first period, even though that game was, was pretty even. Yeah. And if you're a blues fan, what are you thinking? You're thinking same old blues. You're thinking we had a two-zip lead. How many times in the past five, six, seven years have they had a two-zip postseason lead? And and 
they're going to lose the next four games. And the resiliency to be down two zip in the third period and to claw back and win that game on the Jaden Schwartz goal with 15 seconds left and the discussion the last couple of days about guys like Shen and Schwartz needing to step up, both those guys score goals. I mean, for a Blues fan who has suffered so much, and you see some of these videos on Facebook and Twitter of people yes. going nuts and happy, it's it's so nice to see. They still have to finish it, yep. but that was just an awesome game and finish line. And I, I know that the mindset of fans differs greatly from the mindset of the players on the ice and, and their their attitude towards the game. My wife and I were at dinner, and we were near a TV when it was going on, and to see Winnipeg score in the first 30 seconds of the game, you just went, oh, God, here we go. Because we've seen it before. We Absolutely saw it against the Kings true. years ago. Yep. We saw it against the Blackhawks the following year, where it just it just went so downhill so fast, you just couldn't help but think, ah, oh, dang it. Like this is, this is how it ends. And I was – the third period was just a phenomenal and, and a totally enjoyable period for the Blues. They – dominated that period against Winnipeg. It was a complete 180 from how the third period on in game four was in St. Louis. They were in total control. I'll be honest. I went into last night sitting down and telling myself, I have to watch it. But the reality is I think I'm setting myself up for just (laughs) another one of those moments where you go, yeah, they did it to me again. They sucked me in. And I was really believing. I've really felt this is – a team that has that chance. And I'm going, uh, I think they're going to lose three to two tonight. I just think it, <laughs> I, I, there's, and here's the, another thing. There's no way you can go in there and win three games in somebody else's building three consecutive. It's, it's impossible. It can't be done. Just don't even think that way. Boom. First 30 seconds, you're down one, nothing. And you're going, yeah, see, you told yourself shouldn't, she shouldn't have. And then you get a couple opportunities Sunquist shoots one over the net on a breakaway. They come down, they score. It's two nothing, and you're just you're, you're back to being yeah, the same old Blues. I'm in the same old bucket that I've been in for years. And the third period just just changed because it was completely opposite. Like you said, Brian, Blues started just humming everywhere, and the Jets all of a sudden couldn't get the puck out of their own zone. They looked slow all of a sudden, and they get the the goal, the the Shen goal. I still don't know the exact rule on it. I didn't think it was going to count. It should have, though, because even... And look, I know if you read the letter of the law, but that net moving would not have impacted the goal at all. And I understand when you read the rule, so I don't know how they interpreted it, and I was reading some things after the fact, too, but to me, it would have been... And I'm not just looking at this from a Blues perspective. To me, it would have been unfair if they took that goal off. Agreed, because it was going in whether the net was off or not. But I have seen goals, and I like I said, I don't know what the the stated rule is now. But I have seen goals disallowed just because the move, the net was lifted up or just shifted side to side by a, an inch or two, even though it was going in. So even as it was scored, where we were watching it in my house, I looked and I turned. And I said that goal was moving before the puck was yes. in, and they go, "Do you think so?" I said, "Oh, I know it was. I don't think it's going to count." But then I said, remember this, Brett Hall scored with the with his foot in the crease, and that was a rule then that you couldn't. And I, I think at this point, they're going to go, that goal was going in. There's no way we can say no. Scrum Lurker has the official ruling. Yes, and this is rule 63.6 I knew the that. NHL. <laughs> <laughs> Allowing for a goal to be allowed in the event of the 
goal post <clears throat> or crossbar being displaced. We'll have that out in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Frank Opinion has the editing machine. But a goal can be a roll <laughs> allowed if the goal post was lifted directly due to the actions of a defensive player and that the puck was either shot or the shooter was in the process of shooting before the goal was displaced. Yeah, that's even I that's what I thought the rule was. One, the Blues player hit it, hit the post. I forget who it was that but now he was indirectly pushed into the post by a Winnipeg player, but it says directly. The other side is he was in the process of shooting but the puck the goal was already moving. But I, hey, I'm just glad they said it was a goal because in reality it should have been a goal. That that's my mm-hmm. point and that's where Look, again, we want the Blues to win. We're here in St. Louis. I get it. But I try to look at all these things and say, is it fair? And again, I understand the the letter of the law and how you can interpret different rules. But after watching that and the replay several times, as you said, the, the post, the net clearly moved a fraction of a second. But however, when you see the fact that the, the puck is going in, flush in the middle of the net. And again, I'm not going to sit here and interpret the paragraphs of the ruling. To me, I thought it would be unfair with, with kind of the sport and how you should interpret these rules. If that goal was not allowed, but just remember, this is the NHL and it's newsworthy that we're talking about a rule and the spirit of the rule where everything is executed to its desired result, because this is a league that literally has a rule intent to blow the whistle. What you just said is the perfect description. Spirit of the rule. Let's follow the spirit of the rule. And and okay, can that can that cause some gray area sometimes? But I think even if you're a Winnipeg fan, if you're watching that and you see how the play developed and how the Blues scored, you say, okay, that's that that's a, that's a goal for the Blues. We do have a text. Yeah. Um, Splashback Deuce wants to take a trip into Sally's wheelhouse. Solomon, what's the radio affiliate of the Winnipeg Jets? Who carries? Her Great hands? question. Winnipeg Jets, I believe it is TSN 1260. 1290. 1290. Almost. Almost. Okay. So speaking of Winnipeg and their fans, and real quick, odd comparison. I love to make these. But back in 2006, I was in Columbus, Ohio, to watch Ohio State football, just on TV but on campus, lose to Florida 41-14. Oh, that's a close game. Remember, everybody thought Ohio State was going to win that game. Remember? (laughs) Urban Meyer, they yes. they destroy them. Yes. When you are there in Columbus, where the only thing to live for, literally, is Ohio yes. State football. Yes. It looked like the people in those bars had no reason to live anymore. Like driving home, there was a depression through the state of Ohio. You could feel the misery. And I bring that up because I laughed on set last night on Fox 2. After the final goal, I just I was just watching as I'm kind of ad-libbing. And I started laughing because the shots of the Winnipeg fans oh, were so depressing. I'm not trying to make fun of them, but think about it. Look, Winnipeg, I'm sure it's a great town, but you know how much they love hockey and it's their only professional sport. Yep. And they live and die with the Winnipeg Jets and they have the whiteout and they have thousands of people outside of the stadium watching on TV. And when Schwartz scored that goal with 15 seconds left and they show the fans, these fans looked more depressed than I've ever seen any fans in my entire life. That arena emptied quick, too. They got out of there in a hurry. Some even right after the goal scored. But you know, like with college football, I feel like ESPN, and and, um, Fox too, they're always so great at finding the college football fan who's crying or just 
you know, hands on their head. CBS finds the kid. Yeah. CBS they always find the kid, the, kid. the yeah, Northwestern crying. basketball kid who's now a viral sensation. That's awkward. But they showed several reaction shots of the Winnipeg fans, and it was almost like, why even wake up tomorrow? They were chanting, you know what I'm saying? They, yeah. they were chanting Agreed. and uh, kind of hazing Bennington a little bit early in that first period thing, and they got him, and it turned quick. There was a lot of emotion in a span of four or five minutes Oof. that just completely changed. And you're right. I, I did notice that, too. It just look, I said, look at those people. They don't even know what just happened to them. What? And, and they really all just looked at each other speechless. Uh, the one thing that, that I mentioned right before the game-winning goal was scored, remember there's 29, 28 seconds left. Puck goes behind the Winnipeg net. Truba gets it and just stands there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is he doing? He can't just sit on the puck. They don't have enough time. I mean, they had basically just run out of gas. They had nothing left. Blues come up with the steal. They just throw it at the net. There's the deflection. And I was just like, wow. It's been a, I don't know how many times I've ever seen a Blues team over the years just have another team up against the wall where they had nothing left and they just won the game that late. I, I cannot describe anything like that ever. And it also it speaks to year in and year out how great – the hockey postseason is. And even if, if hockey's not your favorite sport, if you, you love baseball, whatever it is, there's just nothing like a Stanley Cup playoffs. It's so much different than when you watch the NBA playoffs right now during the same time. Now, I know the Clippers had a huge comeback the other day, 31 down. But that'll probably be like the only interesting thing that happens in the entire first round. And and Golden State will probably win every game by 20-plus points, which they did in in the next game. And... The flip side of that is you have the Penguins losing in the first round. You have the Lightning, one of the historically best regular season teams we've ever seen, lose in the first round. You have a first-round playoff matchup between the Jets and the Blues. Would it surprise you if you see the same caliber of hockey in the West Final? You know what I'm saying? I mean, when you see the the Jets and the Blues play, that could be a West Final. Agreed 100%. And it's the first round of the series, and we're living and dying, and Blues fans are— their hearts are racing last night, and they haven't even won the first series yet. And and to finally get a cup here, you have to do that three more series. There's no doubt Winnipeg went healthy, and all the Ducks are in a row. They're one of the favorites in the West, and they're pretty close to that right now. Liney's scoring again. He's been scoring in this series. And the Blues, they're playing as good as I've seen them in a playoff stretch or in a beginning of a playoffs than I've seen them play in a long time. I'll go back to maybe... The year they made the conference finals against Colorado. Uh, I, I think this team's playing even better than the, the team that was playing a couple years ago that eliminated uh, Chicago and made it to the conference finals against San Jose. It just doesn't happen that often. So, yeah, the caliber we're seeing now, you could say this is a conference final or this is a Stanley Cup final right now. Uh, and the other side of it is, guys, there's still the 1%. that's still there. It's still lurking. You're hopeful it's not, but there is still that 1% of... Because the reality, and I believe this one, others may not, there is some momentum going from game to game, but the reality is once the puck drops and the guys start running into one another, all the momentum from last night will be gone. It'll be a new match, and we'll see what happens uh, on Saturday night. And you mentioned percentages, and Fox Sports Midwest puts up the graphic that in a best of seven, in the game five, who wins that game? I believe it was seventy-eight point eight percent. So, so technically, it's more like twenty-one percent. But Blues fans probably think it's more like fifty percent, which, with what they've gone through in their uh-huh. in their kind of fandom history of just kind of waiting for, you know, that that bad thing to happen. But that's where 
you know, I probably talk too much about momentum and, and, and the fan narrative, but that's why that win for the Blues was so impressive because they didn't have the momentum going back the last two games. And then the first period, it's two zip. Yeah. And then you have 20 minutes left and you're needing at least two goals to force overtime. And the resiliency the Blues showed to keep clawing back in it is so impressive. And Ken Hitchcock said this the other day when asked about the Blues being a tough out in the postseason. And he said, look, when you were bad for three months and you were one of the worst teams in hockey, I mean, think about what it takes to to come back from that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot over to... the course of the last three months, it really shouldn't surprise us that much that this Blues team, when things are going bad, that they were able to come back and win that game. Because it was an amazing turnaround that we probably don't even talk about enough. The fact that back in early January, this team was the worst team in hockey. And now if you look at different sites, they're one of the favorites to win the Stanley Cup. I agreed. I think it. we probably won't appreciate it as much until the season's over and you get time to step away and you realize, wow, this team was that bad in January one or third, whenever it was. And then they just took off and did something unbelievable. And we'll say that about last night's game. What will go down in blues history is one of the most memorable games. And, and if you watched it, you'll remember it for the rest of your life. There's still more to be done, but it's just uh, it, it, along the lines we're going to remember the last five minutes, but are we going to remember the save by Bennington where he sprawled out and the puck could have, he could have kicked it in? Hayes? Uh, no, not that one. I'm talking about the one where maybe it was Hayes. He had two, maybe he had it two. It just t- trickled there. No, that sat there. That's the one Hayes knocked out. I'm talking about the one where he uh, sprawled out along the right post and he was actually laying on the ground face first. His legs closed the gap and kept the puck from going in. But if it goes one way or the other, he kicks it in the goal, and he didn't. And we're never going to remember how close that was tapping. Or the Hayes thing where Hayes, it was going in. And Hayes, <laughs> just because he got hit, I think it was Dunn that hit him, uh, made his stick move and moved the puck out of the goal. I mean, those are the little things you're never going to remember. You're going to remember the last five minutes. But maybe the worms turn because those are the small things that happen uh, that make you successful. It kind of reminded me, it was the opposite of, remember the Troy Brower goal? And mm-hmm. how many times there that he kept kind of swatting at pucks in that playoff series fell where down. Yeah, he, fell, he down. fell down. And again, it's the second time I brought up Hitch in the last two minutes because Hitch is so quotable. And I'm paraphrasing, but his quote was something like, you're on the beach, the ocean's right there, you just need to kick it into the ocean. And he kept saying that. But that's the thing, you're swatting and yep. it goes in. Hayes, you're swatting, and it goes out. And I know we joke about puck luck, but the same thing with the final goal, where you have the right-handed shot, you have yeah. the pass from Bozak to Schwartz. He's only out there because of a of a skate blade. Somebody in the text line here saying that uh, if you watch the replay, Truba stops to look at the clock after he lost the puck. His man was Schwartz. That delay was the difference. That's from the text line uh, 314. But, again, to have a goal like that, 15 seconds to play. Yeah, I mean, it's everything went right last night at the end, which I didn't see happening. I mean, down to nothing, everything else was going wrong. I was like, yeah, we, we got sucked in again. Now, we'll take our chances on Saturday and see what happens. But I'm even if they lose, you still have that seventh game possibility. I, it, again, 
I'm back to the 1%. I'm, I'm a believer. I really think this team has what it takes to make this run. But you got to finish the deal against one of the better teams that's still around here in the playoff push. And and to be fair, this this feels like a seven game series. Yeah, and yeah, doesn't that's it? True. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing. Look, me about tomorrow. Look through five, the home team has not won one game. So again, we all want the Blues to win on Saturday night, but it shouldn't shock or surprise us one bit if this thing goes back to Winnipeg for a game seven, where you hope that non Chuck just wants to go to Canada. I do want to go to Winnipeg. To be honest with you, just because <laughs> I've never been there. You don't want to go there. Oh, I don't. No, you don't. I, that's one I haven't been to, but having. Talk to a few that have. That you're not missing anything. I want to do some stories though with some of those sad fans. I want to interview some of these sad fans after the game. After Most the Blues. Canadians are nice, but Close they may out. not be nice if you go up and ask, oh, "You just lost. How do you feel?" Can you call them lonely Get Canadians? Lost, we, we've named them lonely Canadians thanks to Strick. Yeah. The people in Winnipeg. But that's the thing is, I know we like to to poke fun at the the team you're playing, country buggers with Nashville, even though Nashville's an awesome city. But Canadians are they're just so friendly and nice. You you can't really dislike them. I mean they're. One of our best allies. Oh, They're you're super gonna, nice. You're going to console yourself in your free health care, you losers? <laughs> By the way, I'm a little superstitious, so we have to play sometime before we get out of here at 1. Uh, I hate Winnipeg. Oh, okay. Just just because sure. every time we played at the Blues of 1, we have to continue that. You know, we got to be part of the good karma. So we have the Monday Night Miracle. Of course, do you believe in miracles going back to the Olympics in 80? Do you like the Manitoba Miracle? Do you like the Winnipeg win? I, I mean, should miracle. we have a name for this? I like the Manitoba Miracle. So I saw I. you put that on Twitter. That but a lot a... of people were, were doing that right okay. when it happened. So I would take that one for sure. Yeah, I like, uh, I like the sound Winnipeg of Winnipeg win, uh, it's too plain. Manitoba Miracle uh, sticks with me because it was the Monday Night Miracle. They're, for Kings fans, one of the greatest comebacks in NHL playoff history is the Miracle on Manchester. So I would definitely take the the Manitoba Miracle. Want to tell people about STL Lawn Care? Check them out on the web, stllawncare.com. Call my guy, Tim Jankerson, at 314-974-5911, or send him an email, tim at stllawncare.com. This is the second year STL Lawn Care has worked on our yard. Now, two years ago, we had the house for a couple years, so I really hadn't done much with the grass. Nothing, to be honest. So we had the weeds. The patches, the brown spots there, plus my grass just wasn't, it wasn't green, it wasn't healthy. Now, after just one year, Take care of your grass. I'm telling you, man, STL Lawn Care, <laughs> it, it's awesome. It looks fantastic. You got that rich green color. It's plush. The dirt patches are gone. New grass is growing. I'm very proud of my lawn, even though I've done nothing. It's all STL Lawn Care, but I walk out there. This is dad life. This is hashtag dad life. I now, I take pride in my grass. I, I didn't used to do that back in the day. Uh, also get my mulch every year from STL Lawn Care to freshen up the flower beds. I get the black tie mulch. They also do mowing, landscaping, leaf removal, mosquito and bug control, plus retaining walls. It's stllawncare.com. Give them a call at 314-974-5911 or email Tim Jankerson, tim at stllawncare.com. Couple of texts. Let's see here. Charlie, to be fair, if you beat the Jets, you can beat anyone. This series needs to be closed out tomorrow night. Longer and the more you travel, the more taxing it will be on the Blues, just like 2016. Connor Hellebum showed up with 15 seconds left. Um, how do the Blues not have David Freeze on the Jumbotron tomorrow night for Game 6 saying something? I said that earlier. That's you got did. to happen. And yeah, Freezer loves the Blues, so you know he'd do it. Yeah, he would. Uh, 314, Charlie, I like you and all, 
but I hope to God you do not go to Winnipeg on Monday. You can see Winnipeg at some other time for the first time, but not in 2019. That's from Driver Joe. Brian Hoffman, any uh, beautiful sponsors to get to before we take our break here? Well, how about uh, we can get a little uh, take it to the bank, courtesy of the fine people at Triad Bank down in Frontenac. It's in Missouri, not in Frontenac, Illinois. We have learned that there is, in fact, a Frontenac, Illinois, but just not too far from here off Clayton Road. Jim Regnow will uh, make sure that uh, your wealth is taken care of down at Triad Bank. They are the place to do your banking. Check them out online at triadbanking.com. All right. Midday Grind, 590 The Fan, 590TheFan.com. Charlie Marlowe, Jim Heuer, Brian Hoffman, and the scrum lurker, David Solomon. We'll be right back in a second.